and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Jody Bailey. And we know how hard it can be to live in our true Christ-centered identity, to live fully as the people Elohim, the supreme God, and our creator created us to be. Because life continually tries to knock us down. And not just life, but you've talked before on the podcast about we have a real enemy, a relentless spiritual enemy who is bent on our destruction. And it makes me think of a quote by John Acuff. And he said, the closer you get to doing great things, the greater the distractions become. Don't feel surprised feel confirmed. Exactly. He does everything he can to distort the image of Christ within us, which means he does not want us to use and grow our gift. Those sparks of life that God placed within us to share his light. So Satan will fill our hearts and our heads with all sorts of lies to convince us that we're not good enough, that stepping into a particular area will only lead to failure. In short, he'll do whatever he can to kill our confidence and our passion because he knows the eternal impact The lives will change, the hearts will heal, the legacies will leave if we live fully without hesitation, without distraction or apology who we are meant to be. And here's the good news. Elohim, the God who created life from nothing and makes dry ground fertile, he can breathe fresh life into areas of our life where we felt barren and dead. And you know, God's given each of us a calling. He created us for a purpose. I was called to two, you know, two big things. We're all called to many different things, but the two big things in my life was to be a teacher and to be a writer. And there was a time when my writing was completely dry ground. Like when you talk about it was just burnt, scorched earth, basically, because I grew up and this was just something I did. It was fun. And when I went to college, I majored in English because I wanted to teach English and I decided to get a creative writing degree just kind of on the side, not realizing it was a calling on my life. But I immediately, my very first semester in college, I ran into this professor. And unfortunately, he was one of the few writing professors at my small college, but nothing I did was ever good enough for him. It was always wrong. And so ultimately, I ended up working with the head of the English department to write plays for the theater department, which I was also involved in, in order to fulfill the requirements for the writing degree. But once I finished, I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. I felt just completely crushed. And how old were you at this time? I started college a semester late. And so I was 19 until I was 22. I was probably 21 when I I finished the degree because I had started it, but there was no joy in it for me. And I eventually just quit writing. Wow. And that was actually at a time when probably you were just beginning to discover who you were, like how God created you to be. And I was also coming out of, if if you've listened, we talked about my story in another podcast where I was just coming out of that season of fear and of being stuck in my home. And and so I was a very fragile place. So it was very easy for this person to come along and just crush me. But God came along and he put people in my life. Even then I had a friend who would come to the house and would leave, found out, you know, that I had quit writing and, and he would leave one sentence on my computer and say, I want a page long story by tomorrow. And I did it because I did, but, and I would tuck them away. And then I started writing with another friend just for fun, but God eventually 
many, many, many years later, I started to feel that feeling inside of, of creating again. And I was in a Bible study one day and I was thinking, wow, that person doing the Bible study, they have the coolest job because they get to write about Christ and they get to talk about Christ. And God, I like to say, God hit me on the head with the Bible. And he's like, hello, <laughs> do you not remember what I put into you all those years ago? And that started this journey um, of being a writer. Of course, I did it wrong a few times. I tried to, I thought, well, I'm supposed to write Bible studies because that's when I, when it hit me. But eventually we got around to, you know, no, God has me writing fiction. But, you know, God is a creative God, but we're not necessarily all called to these creative careers. You know, we, we're all called to something. It's finding that something and being aware that when we step into it, Satan's going to try to derail us in every way he possibly can. I especially like how you talked about it being a journey. And, and that's kind of how I see God in our lives is this journey of recreating us as, as he intended. Right. And so tell me a little bit about that. Like what, I mean, what mentally was going on during your journey? I like what you said, because we, it's a journey. It's a race. We're not where we're going to be. We're all still on the path. We're not at completion yet. And sometimes I think we are really hard on ourselves because we don't know what the next step is, or we're not sure where we're supposed to go. But for me, it was just this Ultimately, there was this sense of rightness and this sense of almost recalling who I used to be because at 18 and 19, and like I said, I wrote, I mean, my grandmother had, when she passed away, there were stories in her desk that I had written when I was in kindergarten. So it was something that was always in me. It was just recognizing that it wasn't just a thing that was there that I did for fun. It was something God had placed and planted and being able to look back and see the people he had placed in my lives, um, an English teacher in high school who encouraged me to write, two of them, uh, who saw something in me that nobody else did. But watching hindsight's twenty twenty, watching all those things that he put into place fall together to make this bigger picture. And sometimes we don't see it until we're on the backside of it. And we can look back at the road and see, oh, that turn, that turn, that turn. When we're on the race course, we may not be able to know what's coming next. That's true. And that's why we need to really be turning to God and just trusting him to lead us. And today we're beginning a series on finding courage in the names of God. Now in the ancient world, names held a lot of significance. They were believed to convey the person's character, which is why we often see God changing people's names after significant spiritual encounters. The name change indicated a character change. Well, throughout scripture, we read a lot of various names for God. Some of them that he revealed, others were spoken by others after powerful God moments. And each name reveals part of God's vastness of who he is at his core, his awesome, all-powerful, faithful, the alpha and omega, the beginning of all things, who knows all things and holds all things in his hands, our lives included. We belong to Elohim, the creator and the recreator of all things. And as Genesis 1 verses 1 through 2 says, in the beginning, God, and that is if you go back to the original Hebrew, it's Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I, I kind of think sometimes we all feel a little dark and empty, but God is still there. And I love the image of God hovering, of him being closed. It kind of reminds me of Deuteronomy thirty-two eleven that says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. 
As 17th century theologian Matthew Poole states, quote, it is a metaphor from birds hovering and fluttering over and sitting upon their eggs and young ones to cherish, warm, and quicken them. That's a very real, caring, loving closeness. And my favorite, favorite verse, one of my life verses is Zephaniah 317. And it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And again, there's that that image of God being over us. And, and that, even though there's no wings there, it makes me feel like what you were just saying, the wing, the hovering wings kind of thing makes me feel that way. What a beautiful image of God's personal involvement in his creation. He formed the land, the sea, the air, the stars that glimmer light years away by a mere command. But then when he gets to man, his actions become more intimate. So Genesis 2 verse 7 states, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And here... God's name changed. So he went from Elohim, like he was known in Genesis 1, to Elohim Yahweh. And so this adds his personal self-revealed name, which we're going to dive into in our next episode. But for now, I want us to focus on how intimate the passage becomes when we get to the creation of mankind. Like a careful sculptor, God formed humanity from the dust of the earth, and he breathed life into our lungs and and Elohim Yahweh is still breathing life into us so that in fully expressing who we are, we in turn express Christ in us. God created us to be his image bearers. It's, it's like Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I think about Tim Keller's quote related to this verse and Probably when you think of the New Living Translation, it actually uses the words masterpiece in, in place of handiwork. And Tim Keller, he wrote, do you know what it means that you are God's workmanship? What is art? Art is beautiful. Art is valuable. And art is an expression of the inner being of the maker, of the artist. Imagine what that means. You're beautiful. You're valuable. And you're an expression of the very inner being of the artist, the divine artist, God himself. Now, here's my favorite part of his quote. When Jesus gave himself on the cross, he didn't say, I'm going to die just so you know I love you. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to bleed for your splendor. I'm going to recreate you into something beautiful. I will turn you into something splendid, magnificent. I'm the artist. You're the canvas. I'm the sculptor. You're the marble. You don't look like much there in the quarry, but I can see. Oh, I can see. And I'm always reminded that Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we're created anew in Christ. And yet, like you said, Jody, it is a journey. We are still being created. Even now, God is molding us. He's training us. He's transforming us to live fully as his masterpieces surrendered to him. And I think when we look at God's creation, we tend to forget that God, you know, he spoke it into creation and he could have spoken it into creation all at once. He could have just said one word and been done, but it was even a process through creation. And so day one, day two, we're a process too. And so, as I was saying earlier, we just can't expect to be perfect or get it right, right out of the gate. And I think that's where some of the lies come from that Satan starts to tell us is that we're not 
good enough now, or we start to struggle with uh, imposter syndrome. And if, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's like, I got away with it once, but they're going to figure out, I really don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. And I think we all feel that way sometimes, but we need to shift our thinking. And one of the things that we need to do is focus less on ourselves. Cause when, when Satan starts to lie to us, he's turning that mirror onto us and we're looking at what we can do. What we need to do is stop looking at you know, we're the dust, we're the clay, we're the thing God formed. Uh, we need to look away from that to Christ because he's the one who's molding us. He's shaping us into this masterpiece. And he sees all those rough edges. You know, we have rough edges. We're not perfect yet. And he sees them, but he's he sees the way he's going to shape them already. So he smooths the rough edges. He helps us grow in the areas we need to grow. But even more than that, he already sees the beauty that we're going to be tomorrow and then the next day, because it's going to be a continual process. And he gives us these gifts and it's through those gifts that we experience him, no matter what he's calling us to do. When we're operating in those gifts, we get to walk closer to him. Isaiah 40, 28 and 29 says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. In Isaiah 41, 10, he says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let those truths fill our hearts and our prayers and our minds. There's a lot of power in prayer and bringing our deepest concerns, fears, and insecurities to Christ and sitting in his presence and allowing his spirit to push out Satan's lies with his truth. And we want to, with this series, we want to help you pray the names of God. And so we're going to do that now. So just kind of quiet yourself. If you're driving, keep your eyes open, but just, just kind of quiet your thoughts and pray with us. Dear God, Elohim, our creator, you who formed the galaxies, the stars, the moon, the mountains, the oceans, the beautiful flowers, you who formed us, you who planted your gifts inside of us, your Holy Spirit inside of us to expand those gifts. Thank you that, that we are your image bearers, that we are your works of art, but that we're also in the process of becoming your masterpieces. Help us, Lord, just to surrender to you, however you are molding us so that we can experience your presence by fully expressing everything that you created us to be with our eyes on you, not on ourselves, that we can play a part in, in your mission and just revealing your beauty to a world that is hurting. In the name of your precious, victorious son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We hope today's episode encouraged you just to figure out what is that next step in your journey of really living as God's recreated masterpiece. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to share it with your friends. And it would encourage us greatly if you would rate it. And that also helps other to find it. So until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens.
and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.